We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Winter storm warning until 4 a.m. for Anoka and Hennepin County. And uh, the concern is this wintry mix. Uh, once again, uh, rain, freezing rain, sleet, snow uh, moving into the area. So it'll be West Metro, North Metro. And to get a better idea of where this winter storm warning is on the map, go from the Mankato area, New Ulm, uh, up toward Redwood Falls, and then head through the west and northern suburbs of the Twin Cities up toward Hinkley and into northern Wisconsin toward Hayward. That gives you an idea. And then on either side of that is a winter weather advisory. So travel could be difficult tonight. Once again, uh, we're, we're seeing more and more rain push into the area. Down in Iowa, severe weather, a tornado warning in the area of Des Moines. Uh, Paul Douglas tweeting that a little bit earlier, of course, uh, Meteorologist extraordinaire Paul Douglas host afternoons with Jordana Green between 3 and 6. So once again, large area of of rain right now west and south of the cities uh, out toward uh, Hutch and Wilmer and then uh, down toward the Mankato area to kind of give you an idea of the largest area and the heaviest precipitation. And that continues uh, to push north. So uh, wild weather here tonight. And then uh, quiet, cloudy, 32 tomorrow after this thing moves through. Uh, We were hoping to have spring training games by now on the radio. Uh, We have no idea when we'll hear spring training games, when the season will start. Joining us to talk about that, Scott Miller has covered the major leagues for a long time, joins us. The lockout continues. And, Scott, uh, at the moment, the news is not good. It's not, but I'll tell you what, that winter warning, (laughs) the storm watch you're talking about has me a little, uh, you mentioned New Ulm. I hope former Twins infielder Brian Robbie is okay up in New Ulm. I hope he's got (laughs) enough, uh, what is it, rain going on? I hope he doesn't get flooded. (laughs) Yeah, and here's the thing, rain, freezing rain, sleet, snow, we could see it all. Uh, here wow. in uh, central and southern Minnesota uh, this afternoon and tonight. So it's, it's, it's kind of wild. And yeah, then uh, wow. severe weather down in Iowa in the Des Moines area right now, a tornado warning up there. So we'll keep our fingers crossed that everyone's okay. But, uh, Scott, yeah. uh, owners and players just have not been able to get together. No, they haven't. And, and, and talking about this weather as well, uh, you're right. This is when, especially in, that, in that, that your part of the country, you really need spring training, you know. You see those spring training games and the pitchers and catchers first reporting and then the rest, and it gives everybody hope that the doggone winter is going to be leaving soon. And I don't know. It's it's like the groundhog forecasts extra winter for this year. That's what they're doing in baseball right now. And I don't know. I mean, nobody knows. They're, the players and owners, uh, the latest reports today, 
the uh, players are theoretically they're expected to meet with the owners again tomorrow to maybe deliver a couple counter proposals to uh, you know basically the owners take it or leave it off for last Tuesday. So you know maybe there'll be a glimmer of something tomorrow, but uh, it's hard to expect that right now, Steve. I mean when they met 16 hours Monday. Uh, overnight until about three in the morning in Florida time and then came back Tuesday and met for several more hours. And then that's when the talks blew up after all that time, Monday, Tuesday, and then, and then not reaching a deal. And then everybody leaving Florida and going home. It's hard to see this thing really ending anytime soon. I mean, there's a lot of people in the industry that think, you know, we'll be lucky to have opening day by May 1st and that it could be later. Wow. And th- there was so much optimism in, in some parts anyway that yep. they'll get together, they'll get this done, we'll, we'll have a fairly normal spring training, and we'll see opening day. Uh, one of the criticisms is, and and I think uh, th- this is coming from the player's side, of course, is that the owners set a lot of arbitrary deadlines that said, if we don't have a deal by the end of February, February 28th, that that's going to mean the season can't start on time. The players already said, well, wait a minute. You know, you're, you're setting all these arbitrary deadlines and setting up these roadblocks. Let's just get in a room and hammer out our differences and, and not set deadlines and, and not put out threats. Right. And, 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 and furthering what you just said, you know, the players are the ones to basically saying, look, the owners are the ones that called this lockout in the beginning. You know, we've been wanting to talk. They, they, they called the lockout on December 2nd, and we tried to talk, and we met all this time in Florida, and now they're the ones that called the lockout, and now they're the ones, you know, saying, calling deadlines and canceling games. And, you know, from that perspective, you know, the, the, the players in some areas are on the righteous side. Yeah, and – when, when when everyone digs in their heels, that that is not a good sign ultimately for the fans. And and Scott, you and I have talked about what this means to all the communities down in Florida and the Phoenix metro area and spring training and all the businesses that are impacted and all the jobs. And then uh, you know here we are, well under a month from scheduled opening day. We know that's not going to happen. Um, and you, you already start hearing, well, maybe opening day by May 1, it starts to get scary. Yeah, it does. Because, I mean, you know, it, the, the atmosphere right now reminds me of the 94-95 strike. And God forbid that it goes, this goes that long because that did so much damage to the game. And, and you're right. It, I mean, look at the, the inflation right now, the, the prices that have gone up when you go grocery shopping, the gas prices today. Uh, you know, we're still not fully out of the, the COVID pandemic. I mean, people have significant, significant issues going on in their lives. And, you know, no, few people have patience or tolerance for, uh, you know, the squabbling owners and players that, that, that should be able to reach a deal, but can't. I mean, you know, the number one issue is the, the CBT, the, the, the uh, competitive balance tax, which turns it is, you know, called the luxury tax, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and the owners, the threshold's 220 million, any payroll above that uh, gets taxed and so significantly. 
uh, you know, the owners have, won't go up beyond that. That's their number one issue. They, they, they say that's basically untouchable. The players have offered, you know, jack it up to $238 million from $220. Uh, so, I mean, I know it's not my money, but $18 million apart there doesn't sound – it sounds like there ought to be room for compromise, right? It doesn't well, sound like, like there shouldn't be. Well, and, and what's so interesting about this is part of the collective bargaining agreement, what basically the owners as a group are saying is we don't trust our fellow owners. We know the big money clubs are going to spend wild amounts of money, and the players are saying, great, veteran right. players have been getting the squeeze as of late, and it all comes down to that, veteran players. It sounds like they're pretty close on a minimum salary for the younger players, players coming out of the minor leagues. This really is about getting money for veteran players that have been getting the squeeze in the last five years or longer. Right. And, and instead of raising the, the luxury tax threshold, the owners have agreed for the first time ever to direct a pool of millions of dollars toward the younger players. They don't want to change arbitration. They, they, you know, they want to keep it three years in that before you're eligible for arbitration, but you know, they've directed millions, at least in these talks, they've offered millions to some younger players, you know, who are two years in the league. Cause they, the owners acknowledge that, yeah, the veteran players have been getting squeezed. So we, you know, we should at least redirect some money to the younger players. So, I mean, the the thing that's so maddening about this, Steve, is is as we said. I mean, you and I can sit here and look at some of these numbers, not even being economics majors, but you can see where there are areas where they should be able to easily compromise. And what what's ang- what's angering about this is, whenever there's a deal done, whether it's two weeks from now, two months from now. You know what's going to happen is we're going to look at this deal as our baseball people and say, ah, geez, you know, this deal could have been done back on the deal we just made today. Again, whether it's two weeks or two months from now, it's like this deal, we could have, that deal could have been hammered out on February 8th. It, it didn't or have December. to wait until April 8th or December 8th. Right. It, it, yeah. you know, that's what's going to happen. I mean, th- th- there's not going to be a deal on pick your date on March 18th or April 18th. There's not going to be a deal whenever it's done where people are going to say, ah, geez, you know, that's a, that's a great deal. It's very creative for both sides. And yeah, it needed to take this long to work out. I guarantee you that's not going to happen. It's going to be great. They finally agreed to a deal. Well, we're looking at the deal, and this is a deal that could have been done on December 20th or January 20th. Yeah, I I completely agree. It is, though, if it it ultimately comes down to stumbling point, the luxury tax, I will go back to my previous point. That has almost nothing to do with the players. That is the 30 major league owners not trusting their fellow owners and the big market clubs overspending and and on some on, on some way shape or form i i guess i i just don't understand that logic players will never agree to a salary cap like you see a hard cap in the nba or a hard right. cap in the nfl or or a hard cap you know in the other sports that there there is a hard cap and those are cap leagues the players right. would never agree to that but i also think that if the Dodgers want to go out and spend $300 million at the Yankees or the Cubs or the Mets or whomever, um, 
what why is that a stumbling block and right. why is that an issue uh for the players that's an owner's issue right and 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 Rob Manfred will tell you as he said in his press conference Tuesday after things blew up uh he he didn't say the owners don't trust each other to to but but what you're saying is correct but the other side of it is Manfred's point is the CBT and luxury tax is so important to all of us because this is the one mechanism, the one mechanism that we have to, to combat salary, dis, payroll disparity. Sure. So what they're worried about is what you just said, that the Yankees will go out and spend $300 million on player payroll, and the Pittsburgh Pirates will still be at $40 million, and, and, and what's already a sizable gap is only going to get worse. So, but, but that said, that still should be – the owners should be able to figure that out, that, look, however we – to divvy this up, we've got to make sure uh, it shouldn't be on the players to make sure that the Pittsburgh Pirates are competitive. I mean, the owners need to figure the, that part of it out. Well, yeah, and one of the things that all the other leagues have done, the NBA, the NHL, uh, the NFL in particular, the, N- the NFL has been genius from the get-go. They've always shared equally this huge pot of television money. And the, the, the yeah. owners haven't been able to willingly divvy up that local television money, which is heavily favors the big market clubs like New York, L.A., Chicago, et cetera. Yeah. We, we all know the economics of that. That's the big difference here. They're not willing to share their revenues up front. This would be a completely moot point if they put all their TV money into a big pot and divided it equally. Right, and the age-old argument in favor of that is, okay, I, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but whatever it is, say the New York Yankees, to your point, look, you know, the national TV and radio money gets divvied up equally. But Correct. Say, say the local revenue, say the Yankees, whatever their TV and local TV and local radio deal is, you know, say they get $30 million or whatever. Say, or, Probably a lot more than that. Let's say $200 Yeah, million. yeah. okay, so say yeah. that. And then say, I don't know, and I won't even ask you about the Twins because you're in the Kansas City. But, but, but let's say Kansas City, it's yeah. $20 million. Right. So, exactly. Kansas City's 20 Yankees are $300 million. So, Yankees keep all their local money, and the Royals keep all theirs. Well, great. You know, like you say, the Yankees, the Red Sox, it's astronomical. But the age-old argument against that, why the Yankees should share – if if the Kansas City Royals don't show up in Yankee Stadium next Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday for their three-game series as scheduled, the Yankees don't have a game. They've got well, to have the Royals to have games. And so the Royals and the Twins and the Tigers are helping the Yankees earn their local TV and radio money. Yet the Yankees get to keep all three hundred million or whatever it is they get, and the Royals only get twenty million. So, I mean, I understand if you're the Yankees and, and some of the big market teams, the Mets, the Cubs. You know, you're not going to even in a perfect world, they all that would just go into a pot and everything would be equal. But okay, understanding they're not going to give up all that. They, there ought to be some number that they can agree to that will give up some of it because we understand. If the Yankee, if the Royals don't show up this week, then we, it takes two to play a baseball game. So they're yeah, helping I, us get our local money. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Owners need to sit down 
and figure out how they're going to divide up that television money between themselves. Yep. Hey, Scott, we we got to run. Always good to visit with okay. you. I wish there was Thank better you. news, but hopefully they're yep. going to get together and figure it out sooner than later. Yep. All right, Steve. I agree, and we'll hopefully next time we talk, they will have agreed to something. Yeah, sounds good, Scott. Take All care. Right. Bye-bye. Scott Miller joining us, covered the major leagues for a long time, including a time with the Pioneer Press back in the 90s, covering the Twins. 523 here at News Talk, 830-WCCO. 527 here at News Talk, 830-WCCO. Thanks so much for joining us. Boys State Hockey Tournament field is set. We'll talk more about that with David Levake from the Star Tribune. And... Then Cal Soderquist is going to tee up the Timberwolves game tonight. And the Timberwolves take on Portland. And the Timberwolves are surging. They blew out Oklahoma City last night. Uh, So we'll get uh, Cal's thoughts here in about 20 minutes or so. We'll have all the news at 6. And then take you all the way up to our pregame show tonight at 6.30. Cal Soderquist at 6.30. Alan Horton with all the play-by-play. Let's get you up to date on the WCHA final face-off. Number two seed Ohio State leading number three seed Wisconsin 2-1 to one in period number two. The winner will play Minnesota. Minnesota beat Wisconsin in the early game, or I should say beat UMD 5-1 to one in the early game. So Minnesota against the winner of this Wisconsin-Ohio State game. Tomorrow afternoon at Ritter Arena in the WCHA final face-off. Meanwhile, Minnesota, they get a bye this weekend in the Big Ten tournament. They advance right to the semifinals next weekend. A quick break. We'll come back. We'll have a complete update on that weather, the latest on that winter storm warning for parts of the metro area here on News Talk. E3-O-W-C-C-O. We're getting rain there in March, uh, freezing rain, winter storm warning for parts of the metro area, winter weather advisory for everybody else. Could be a tough night on the roads. We'll continue to keep you up to date. Uh, the tourney field is set. Boys hockey starting Wednesday in 1A, 2A on Thursday. Championship Saturday one week from today. And he covers high school sports for the Star Tribune. It's been all over the girls' tournament and then all all over sections this week. David Levesque joins us from the Star Tribune online at startribune.com. David, good to visit with you again. Steve, it's always a pleasure. Yeah, and uh, he, here we go. Uh, the tourney is set. Um, let's start with 1A. Any surprise in the seedings? Uh, no. I was uh, talking to a, a friend of mine who is a uh, is a Minneapolis backer. And we were talking about this on Wednesday uh, before the game started, before the Minneapolis section final against Delano started. And I said, well, I said, here's how I, if you win tonight, I think you don't do any better than a three or four seed. Uh, I said that, I think, I think if, if uh, Hermantown and Warroad take care of business, that's your one and your two. I, I said, Matamidi, maybe you can make a case on them, but I don't, I doubt it. So, you know, if if, you, if those three hold, then you're probably a four. But maybe you could sneak into a three. And uh, that's just how it played out. Hermantown one, War Road two, Monomedi three, and then Minneapolis four with Alexandria five to, to wrap up the, the five-seeded teams in the single-A bracket. Yeah, and uh, here it goes. 11 a.m. game on Wednesday, Monticello against War Road uh, at 1 o'clock. And I put that in air quotes. 
uh, Matamita against Mankato East, Loyola. And then at 6, it'll be New Prague against number 1, Hermantown in the nightcap. As you mentioned, number 4, Minneapolis against Alexandria. Scheduled at 8, once again in air quotes, probably 8. 38-45, actually, when they drop the puck. Uh, those nightcaps uh, in the opening round get a little bit late. On to the double-A, and I did see your tweet kind of predicting this earlier in the day, and uh, pretty good job, David. Well, thank you. I only missed one, and ironically, I had the, I had the right um... – I had the right two teams, I guess if you'll say, but but Maple Grove got the seed and, and Edina didn't. I had I had thought Edina would be the three seed, and uh, that's not how it came to be. Uh, we got Hill Murray's the one. Um, I, w- I went to bed last night thinking Creighton Durham Hall was the one, and then I slept on it and got up. I said no, Hill Murray. And I base this, by the way, I, I go back I go back and I write down all the teams in the field who played who and what the results look like. And when I tallied that all up, I said uh, Hill Murray should be the one and Creighton the two and. And uh, Maple Grove ended up getting the three, which I, I have no argument with. Uh, it just wasn't my prediction, but that's fine. Uh, number four, Matamida, and number five, Andover. That's, and then, you know, the, the thing that jumps out at me is three teams that didn't get a seed. As we mentioned, Edina, you got new, mm-hmm. new uh, state tournament newcomer Prior Lake and uh, Lakeville South. Now, Lake, <laughs> Lakeville South was a shot away from winning the state championship game uh, in double overtime last year. Uh, I don't think we need to say much more about where Edina stands in, in history, uh, histo- state tournament annals. And then you got Prior Lake, who might have the best forward line of any team in this tournament. So it's that's a pretty pretty solid group of play, uh, of teams that didn't get a seed. Yeah, it, it really is. And uh, we, we've talked at times throughout this season, very hard to predict on who's going to emerge. There, there, there are a lot of teams that move in and out of the top ten. Dinah was out of the top ten uh, for a stretch, and here they are in a tournament. Uh, dominating performance over Benilde St. Margaret's, a guy I work with during the week uh, full-time in the in the printing business, and he he went to the Dinah Benilde St. Margaret's and said, Hornets just dominated the Red Knights that night. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really uh, it was they were out they outclassed the Red Knights, and I just didn't think it would be that kind of a game. I thought it was going to be a a three to two grinded out tight game. Uh, Edina just outclassed Benilde, so credit to them because that was a good Benilde team, and Edina made them look very average. Yeah, so they seem to be playing well at the right time, and then you got Maple Grove. They they play in the Northwest Suburban, but all these teams in general uh, play in good conferences and play tough non-conference schedules. And then a team like Moorhead, they got to go out and find games no matter what. Well, and they do, but I'll tell you, Moorhead, they played five games against uh, this, this field. They played uh, and they went three and two in those games. And so they've, they are tested against these teams and, and held their own in the regular season. And uh, they are, you know, they're no stranger to this. So they've been down uh, quite often over the last few years, and this is the expectation when you're spud, and they're going to be a tough out as well. Yeah, you, you did a book uh, called the the tourney and the the build up to this section finals week, and now you get the field set, and then the banquets and and the start of the tourney. It, it really is, and, and all those state tournaments are special. But this boys hockey tournament gets headlines every year from all around the country. Yeah, rightfully so. Yeah, we always knew it was a big deal, and and there were some traditional outlets that would come cover it, so that gave some credence to the the national footprint, but the advent of social media, now you see better how much 
attention this tournament gets and how much how much is the the envy of hockey players all over the country and you know the Minnesota is, is clinging to the community-based uh, model for for its for its for its hockey, and and that's a rare thing in, in throughout the country, and it's and something to be celebrated and protected. And so it's it's a pleasure to to, to have a a role in covering this tournament because it's a, it's an institution in our state. Yeah, and you, you, there is a lot of talk, you know, where it, it becomes more and more about clubs and elite clubs team or club teams, and and there has been pressure in in most sports. Um, hockey in particular, but it continues to persevere where you see, you know, a mix of private schools and public schools, uh, some of the same faces year in and year out. Hill Murray's a perennial power. Uh, you, you mentioned Edina, Maple Grove's making another trip. But it, it is interesting. In general, um, you know, the, the these communities and these youth programs send these kids on to, and and the goal is is to get to a state tournament. It is it is unique. It, and, and let's face it, there are people that criticize that recruiting goes on and there's magnet schools and so on and so forth. But uh, you, you you still have a fun tournament. Yeah, it's it's endured. It's endured uh, quite a few uh, situations that that might take away from it, and, and maybe. You know, it, it, it's whether he said, you know, recruiting, which, by the way, is a public and private school situation. Sure. Yeah. Metro and outstate situation. It's endured. It's endured losing players to to the United States Hockey League or to the development team in Ann Arbor. Uh, it's it's endured because we, we have and that's a credit to the, the forefathers and, and the hockey moms who, who laid the tracks and, and built a tradition. And it's still uh, a very uh so it's still a goal for, for everybody that, that gets going in hockey from a young age, and, and thank goodness for that. Yeah, it, it is uh, a lot of fun. Uh, at, at any point in the lead-up to the tournament, did you put those predictions in writing? Have you already made those public, David? The predictions that I tweeted? How, how do you see it playing out? Have you made that public yet? Oh, well, I mean, I put it on Twitter. I mean, with, oh, okay. So are you talking about that was the seating? So you're talking about yeah, who the seating two and who's a winner? Yeah, yeah. Who, who, who's who's going to win it all in one A and two A? Oh boy, uh, single A. It, it's hard to go against Hermantown. They are a proven commodity this time of year. They play a very good schedule. They deserve to be the number one seed. But Warroad's got a, something. It's a special season up there. The girls want it, and now the boys have a chance to, yeah. to double down, and that would be kind of an exciting situation for for War Road. Uh, in two A, gosh, it's I, I'll I'll stick with the team that I picked at the beginning of the year, which is Creighton Durham Hall. But I, I, I they could they could be out of <laughs> by noon you know, on on Thursday for all I know. It's it's a very it's a very competitive field, and and uh, I really you know I, I talked to Kurt Giles of Dinah for an article that I, I, I put on the web here on the Minnesota Hockey Hub this afternoon, and it'll be in the Star Tribune tomorrow talking about the, the seedings. And he said, you know, we were sitting there Friday talking to ourselves as coaches about what's the dream scenario? You know, what, like what seed do you want? What matchup do you want? And he said, you couldn't come up with one because there's a good reason to be concerned everywhere you look as far oh. as the, what the teams offer. Yeah, and I think for a fan, in, in big picture – there are some years where you can kind of feel like, okay, here's a couple of teams who I really think are going to play for the title, or or there's a team that I I, I think is the favorite. But I, I totally agree, and that's what 
generally year in and year out makes this such a great tournament is that you're still going to tune in or show up in St. Paul at the X and and see how it plays out over three straight days. It's just great sports theater. It's very much so. I I texted a coach who I I won't reveal because I don't want to, you know, go there, but I texted, so who's your champion? And I just thought they might pick a team and, and, I get very sp- I get a very specific response. Phil Murray over Edina, three to one, open net. <laughs> How about that? Now that's a prediction. You know, yeah, the, that's right. The score, the empty net, the whole thing. He he laid it all out there for us. I, I got that gave me a chuckle. Not 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 his prediction as far as who wins and all that, but just just the three, the score, the empty net part. That made me laugh. Uh, I like it. Well, David, appreciate your coverage. Uh, uh, fun to follow you, uh, certainly online, uh, your work in the paper. and uh, it, It's a big week. You put in some long hours. Oh, but it's a fun week. I put in long hours doing a lot of things that aren't as fun. So this is, this is, good. <laughs> right. this is, this is good stuff. All right. Thank you, David. Appreciate it. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right. There he is, David LeBake, Star Tribune, StarTribune.com, and, of course, uh, MN Hockey Hub Boys and Girls. Uh, they they do a tremendous job over there. It was fun to be a part of the girls' tournament. And uh, hope to get to call a game or two in this state tournament. It would be on the consolation side uh, on PrepSpotlight.tv. Not a part of the Channel 45 team. Uh, never be able to crack that lineup. Uh, 13 minutes now in front of 6 o'clock here at News Talk. E3OWCCO. Timberwolves and Blazers tonight. Timberwolves are playing really well. They blew out Oklahoma City. And you'll hear this man beginning at 6.30 tonight with the pregame show. Alan Horton with all the play-by-play after 7 o'clock. Cal Soderquist joins us. And Cal, uh, Oklahoma City last night, the Timberwolves bench just demolished the Thunder. Man, it's, it's been impressive to see the second unit and, and the way that they've kind of you know, been able to prop up at times that, that starting five. And last night I thought was a perfect example of it where, you know, through the first quarter, both teams kind of trading punches. The Thunder actually led by two entering the second. Um, but they kind of mixed up some of those rotations. Torian Prince came in, provided a bit of a spark. You know, he was one of three guys for that second unit that had 15 or more points last night. Um, in total, they had they had a franchise record tying 74 points. So it's been fun to watch the bench. And I think, um, you know, their chemistry just continues to build, whether it's, you know, Jordan McLaughlin uh, as the backup point guard kind of orchestrating things, or even, you know, Chris Finch and his staff have gotten pretty creative mixing and matching. And um, D'Angelo Russell at times is out there with some of those second-unit guys. But regardless – um, it makes the Wolves all that much uh, more dangerous when that second unit, you know, Torian Prince, Malik Beasley, Nas Reed, when those guys are hitting shots. Yeah, and it, it, it's a lot of fun. Blowout win. One of the things the Timberwolves have generally done, there were some examples earlier in the season, but the Timberwolves have been able to take care of business against bad teams. They have, and I think it's something that has certainly plagued this team in recent seasons, um, but for whatever reason, they've had a better sort of approach, maybe a better mindset and mentality uh, this season. And I, I'm certain that a guy like Pat Beverly has had an effect on that, you know, coming in and, and just kind of being the leader he has been since day one. Um, but even, you know, I think back to the win over the Warriors on Tuesday, which 
was the second end of a back-to-back. Now the Warriors are, are firmly entrenched as a playoff sure. team, but it's kind of the, it's the same deal where um, there are a lot of excuses or, or reasons to to come in and, and maybe start the game flat or um, just not be fully present. Uh, but Carl Anthony Towns, uh, he was bouncing around in the back hallways before that game. He then had 15 points in that opening quarter and just kind of set the tone. And I think that's kind of the same mentality that's needed for games against, you know, the Thunder last night. The Thunder will be here again next, uh, this coming Wednesday. And then it's two straight, beginning tonight, two straight against the Blazers. And, and both the Blazers and the Thunder are teams that, you know, are, are looking ahead. They're not looking at the playoffs. They're looking at lottery balls or, you know, building their roster further. So we're going to see some interesting guys that, may not be the most recognizable names um, for both of these teams, but it's much more about the Wolves and having the right mentality and, and kind of, you know, like you said, just handling business against these inferior opponents. Yeah, and, and for the Timberwolves, still a lot in in front of them. Uh, being in that top six, still in play. Oh, certainly. I, I think, um, you know, that's what's fun about this time of year. We've now turned the calendar to March. And we're standings watching, you know, we're watching what the Nuggets are doing or the Mavericks. Mavericks are in action right now um, without Luka this afternoon. And and the Kings, at last I looked, the Kings were leading that game. So it's fun, you know, as the Wolves continue to handle business in their games, you can then kind of peek at those teams above them. Um, But, man, those teams have been on a roll lately. The, The Nuggets just finally had their winning streak snapped, actually by the Thunder earlier this week. Um, but regardless, I just I'm kind of just embracing that we're here in March and the Wolves are playing meaningful games. I think you know we've had some great crowds at Target Center for uh, a few of those matchups out of the All Star break, but I still think we'll get great crowds and great atmospheres even against you know the Blazers tonight or, or the Thunder later this week because of how the Wolves are playing and because of you know what's at stake in terms of where they're trying to get postseason wise. Cal Soderquist, we got the pregame show coming up at 6.30 tonight. Uh, Cal, real quick, what do you got on the way? Yeah, we'll, we'll catch up with uh, Chris Finch, obviously. We'll check in with him. Uh, no Anthony Edwards again tonight, so we'll find out uh, how he might kind of continue to rely on that okay. second unit for more production. Um, and then, actually, we'll listen into a snippet of uh, Henry Lake's Life in the Pack uh, podcast. So he, he recently chatted with uh, former Wolves great Doug West. So they, they okay. relived some great memories from Doug being a, a, a member of the Timberwolves during that inaugural season back in 89-90. All right. H. Lake, part of the proceedings tonight with Doug West. Hey, always great, Cal. Look forward to the pregame and the postgame here tonight. You got it. Thanks, Steve. All right. There he is, Cal Soderquist. And, of course, Alan Horton with all the play-by-play. Uh, Minnesota and Portland from Target Center. Once again, that pregame show coming up at 6.30. We still have the news. We still have the weather. Another update on that winter storm warning coming up here momentarily. James Ware, head coach, number one, 4A Park Center, Boys Hoops. Bill Leichner, number one seed of the Boys Hockey Tournament, coming up. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.